Turn with me to Acts 14. Acts chapter 14. We're going to spend the next uh, couple of Sundays looking at Acts 14 um, as we continue through the book of Acts. Um, We're going to experience Paul and Barnabas' persecution within the first missionary journey. Now, you're going to see kind of a a flow, you're going to see kind of a, a trend going through each city of this, where they go in and they preach, division is brought about, persecution is brought about, they flee to the next city, and they do it all over again. <laughs> but you see lives throughout each city come to know Christ. The title of my message this morning is Courageous Christianity. We are called as Christians to be courageous. We see it all throughout Scripture. We see, you know, most known is the story of Joshua. Be strong and courageous. But then we see all throughout Scripture situations that people are brought into and yet they are needing to have courage to endure. Now, we as believers who know our Bible know that Scripture tells us that we are not saved from suffering. That we're not going to have an easy life. I think the church in America has had it made. But if we look at church across the world today, they're not. Now, I know you hear a baby who's trying to preach her own sermon. You hear a couple kids up front. My kids are in the balcony. They're squirmy. They're making noises. We should see that as a blessing. Don't see it as a distraction. If they get loud, let them get loud. I'll just get louder. It's okay. All right? Acts 14, if you're there, say word. Word. Stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word. We're just going to look at the first seven verses. We're looking at Paul and Barnabas at Iconium. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, into the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Let's pray. Father God, we're so thankful for your word. God, help us this morning. Help me this morning as I 
proclaim the truth from your word. Help me. Use me as your, as your messenger. Use me as you see fit. But help us to be open, to listen, to hear, to apply. Grab our hearts, God. We ask all this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, when he was appointed as the pastor of a church in Cambridge, England in 1783, Charles Simeon was delighted, as any young man would be, to get his first pastorate. I was delighted when I became head pastor here at Red Cross. It was exciting. However, at this church, the people did not share that same joy. Many of the prominent members of the church opposed his convictions on reaching the lost with the gospel, so much so that they would lock their pews. Now, you're probably wondering, what in the world do you mean lock their pews? They would have a pew that had doors and you could lock them. They would lock their pews. People could not sit in their pews. We're Baptists. We have our pews, right? Maybe not right now because they're probably marked off, but some of us, we have our assigned seats. They locked them. They locked them when the lost would come in to hear the gospel. So Charles Simeon would place benches in the aisles to allow people to sit, but these church members would take these benches and would throw them out the front door into the street. Simeon remained in that church. He didn't leave. The division, the opposition, the, the stress. Let me tell you, pastoral ministry can bring some stress. But Simeon stayed. And eventually it began to grow. Now we're, we as believers, we're going to face trials within our lives that require courage to stand on our convictions. Maybe, maybe within our church. There are going to be times when we have to stand on our convictions, maybe within our families, courage to stand on our convictions, maybe within our nation even. That's not a maybe, is it? That's a definite. See, here with Paul and Barnabas, they do that. They are standing on their convictions. They are being courageous as they're preaching in Iconium. Here's the main idea that I've got for you this morning. Despite contention, Christians are called to be courageous. Despite contention, despite opposition, despite confrontation, despite trials, despite the times that people are going to hate you, we are called to be courageous. We are. And we live in a day where our courage needs to start growing a little bit. Now, we must first try to understand why this contention, why this opposition is coming about, why it's arisen from the preaching of the apostles. Why is it that they have these Jews? Why do they have such a hard time with this? You need to understand the time period. For 1,500 years prior to this, Jews followed the law. They made sacrifices for the atonement of their sin. They, they looked forward to the coming Messiah who will save them, the seed of David, 
who will reign forever. That's what they did. That's how, that's what the Jews, how they were saved. I've had this question be, before. How are old, old, old Testament saved? Old Testament saints saved. They're saved by looking forward to the promised Messiah. We see in Hebrews 11, like with Abraham, his faith was counted to him as righteousness. So just as the Old Testament saints were saved by looking forward to the Messiah, we as New Testament saints are saved by looking back to the Messiah who has come. But Paul and Barnabas have come into the synagogue, as we see in verse one. They've come into the synagogue and they're proclaiming a message that says that Messiah has come. That Messiah that you look forward to has come and he has fulfilled the law. And he is the once and for all sacrifice. He is now reigning forever at the right hand of the father. All the promises that have been made by God have come to fruition in Christ. That was the message. Now, after saying that, after telling them to repent of their sin, to look to Christ, to follow him, they are now experiencing division. People are not happy about it. We see some of the Jews and the Greeks, a great number of them have come to believe. But there's some that have decided to bring division. So I've got three things for you that we need courage for. Despite contention, despite opposition, living in a world that hates the church. We need courage for number one, courage to speak with boldness and clarity. We need courage to speak with boldness and clarity. Look at verse one. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. If, if you're like me and you like marking in your Bible, I haven't marked in this one yet. This is a new one, but spoke in such a way. I would underline that. They, th their courage was expressed in the way that they spoke. They were bold and they were clear with their message. They knew standing up there and speaking to the Jews and to these possibly proselyte Greeks, these God-fearers even, they knew that people were not going to like the message. That people were not going to agree with them. They knew that people, I mean, they just got ran out of another city. They know what's going to happen. Paul knows he's going to suffer for the gospel. But they spoke with clarity. Plainly, convincingly. They, they didn't have a confusing message. It was a simple, clear message. They knew what they were saying. They spoke confidently, like, like as if maybe they believed what they were saying. Not only did they believe it, but they acted like they were filled with it. Have you ever heard somebody speak in such a way that, that you knew that they were passionate about it? Whatever it may be, hunting, cars, basketball. Have you ever heard a preacher who is passionate about it? And 
I hope you do. <laughs> Some of y'all were getting a little quiet there. But they were speaking in such a way that it's just like it just poured out. They were filled with it. It was their life. They, they, they spoke warmly and graciously. It wasn't, it wasn't that type of condemning message where there was no hope. They spoke with an eagerness to see people saved. I heard, uh, uh, I, I read Matthew Henry wrote, they spoke from the heart to the heart. They did. Because they know that the message that they're carrying is a message of life or death. Maybe not physically, but spiritually. Where is your soul going to be for all eternity? Hebrews 4.12 tells us, For the word of God is living and active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. They spoke in such a way by using the word of God as it pierced through the souls of those Jews and Greeks who ended up believing. They spoke honestly and they spoke boldly. They didn't sugarcoat it or tickle the ears like what Paul tells in, in uh, what, what Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Paul dealt with it then. We're dealing with it now. It has never ended. People who don't want to hear how they are in need of Christ. People who don't want to hear that they need to be saved from an eternal damnation. People who don't want to hear that they're sinful. They want to know, how can my life be better? How can, how can earth become my heaven? The apostles, they, they spoke in such a way that they knew it only had to be God speaking through them. They preached the gospel. Church, we, we as believers are called to speak in such a way, not so that arguments can be won, but that souls can be saved. We live in a day where, you know, you're wrong, I'm right, you're right, I'm wrong. That never happens. But we live in a day where we're so divided and we want to win this argument. We want to win this debate. But let me tell you, the gospel is not an argument to be won. It's a message to be proclaimed so that souls can be won. We, we live in a world where our freedom of speech is being threatened. Where if what we say is against the world's ideology, then we will face consequences. 
That's, that's, a, that's a totalitarian issue. <laughs> I want to put a book out there. It's called Live Not By Lies by Rod Dreher. I want you to read it. It'll open your eyes up a little bit. But we live in a world where our freedom of speech is being threatened. But what is more important? Our safety and freedom or someone's salvation? Paul understands this. He, he even tells us in Romans 9, 1 through 3, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Paul is basically saying if I could trade my salvation so that my Jewish brothers will be saved, then so be it. Paul is risking his life proclaiming this message. We are to speak with boldness and clarity so that people will hear the gospel. How is it that we're going to be able to speak with clarity? We have to know what the gospel is. And church, we're living in a day where if you don't know what you believe, you're going to fall for anything. You're going to believe anything. But you need to know that it is the gospel that we need to believe in. Salvation doesn't come by our boldness and clarity. Salvation comes through the work of the Holy Spirit who works through our boldness and clarity of sharing the gospel. Which leads us to number two of a courageous Christianity. Number one, we're to have courage to speak with boldness and clarity. Number two, we're to have courage to remain persistent and reliant. Look at verse two. This is after they begin preaching, after Jews and Greeks believe. Verse two, but the unbelieving Jews, the side that did not believe what they were preaching, they stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they, the apostles, remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. These unbelieving Jews are spreading lies. They're spreading their conspiracy theories. They're, they're spreading their ideologies that the apostles are not who they say they are. They're poisoning the minds of the other people so that they will turn against them. Does that sound familiar to you? How often is the church being called judgmental? How often is the church being called bigots? How often is the church being called hateful? We, we don't stand for hate. We don't even stand for bigotry. We stand for the gospel. We stand for holiness. We stand for repentance. But yet the world looks at us and they think we are just spiteful people. We can't be surprised by this. 
Even Jesus says in Matthew 10, 34, he says, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Why? Isn't the gospel about we should all love each other? Well, yeah, we should love. But understand that the gospel divides. The gospel divides. The gospel divides by believers and unbelievers. Scripture divides us. Sheep and goats. Church, we are to have courage to remain persistent. Because even after, even after the Jews are stirring up these Gentiles, poisoning their minds, turning them against the the apostles. What does verse 3 say? They remained for a long time. They stayed. They persisted. They persevered. They endured. Put whatever word you want there. But they stayed. Do you want to see effective ministry? Stay. I was told when I first became pastor here at Red Cross by a a mentor, I was like, man, I was like, what do I need to know before stepping into the pastoral role? He's like, you need to know that you got to commit to five years. Five years. It's a long time. Why is that? You don't see effective ministry until five years. You don't see effective ministry until you stay. And I'm even talking to you, believers. You stay. What does that mean? One, you don't leave this church. But you remain. You remain that type of believer, that type of person who's going to continue sharing the gospel with your family. You're not going to shut them out because they don't believe. You remain that type of friend to your lost friends Not by doing what they do, but by continuing to be that witness to them. You abide. You continue. You persist. No matter how many hateful remarks they give you, no matter how much they threaten you, you persist. Because we need to be like Paul. We need to have that Great sorrow and unceasing anguish in our heart for those that we love who are lost. It's so easy just to kick them out. It's so easy just to delete their phone number, unfriend them on Facebook, block them on Instagram. It's so easy to do that. We need courage to remain. came off my notes. Now I don't know where I am. The courage to remain. We see Paul and Barnabas. They are remaining for a long time. They're speaking boldly for the Lord. The courage to remain comes by their reliance on God. What happens after this? It says, uh, speaking boldly for the Lord who, the Lord who, bore witness to the word of His grace granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. The Lord was speaking through that message by granting signs and wonders to the hands of the apostles. Now listen, when we see signs and wonders in the Bible, this isn't so that God can say, hey, look, I'm real. Look at what I can do. I'm real. When the apostles do signs and wonders, 
God is doing it to show the people that the apostles are who they say they are. Those signs and wonders are validation for the apostles. They are telling the truth. And the apostles are reliant on God for this. Church, we need to be a reliant people, a people who is reliant on God to give us this courage to speak boldly, to give us this courage to remain persistent. It is through the Holy Spirit within us because we see Paul and Barnabas who are filled with the Holy Spirit. We see that at the end of 13, verse 52. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. It's through that filling of the Holy Spirit that we can be courageous. It's through his grace that we can be courageous. If there is any hope within a world of opposition and contention, it's found only in God who will work through the courageous persistence of his church as they stand firm on the word and proclaim the gospel to a lost and dying world. That's our only hope. God working through us. That's what's happening here. God is working through the apostles. So number one, we are, to, we are to have courage to speak boldly, to speak with boldness and clarity. Number two, we are to have courage to remain persistent and reliant. And then number three, we are to have courage to continue with carefulness and faithfulness. Look at verse four. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. Boy, we know a lot about division nowadays, don't we? You see it everywhere. Verse 5, when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Laconia and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Now, listen, when I say we are to have courage to continue with carefulness, I'm not talking about being cowardly. I'm not talking about running in fear. We are called to be strategic and careful in how we do ministry, how we love others. We are not to be reckless. Paul and Barnabas are careful by fleeing the threat on their lives. They did nothing sinful here. This is not sinful. In fact, Matthew 10, 23, Jesus says, when they persecute you in one town, Flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Even in persecution, you may have to flee. I know of a lot of pastors that have had to flee their churches because of threats. I know of, I know of people that have had to flee their families because of threats. Because of their faith. Sometimes that has to happen. That's a last, that's a last case scenario. That's, that's when your life is on the line. It's okay to flee when your life is on the line. We're to have courage to continue with carefulness and courage to continue with faithfulness. So Paul and Barnabas, they're, they're about to get stoned, right? They, they hear of it. They run to the next city. And what do they do in verse 7? There they continued to preach 
the gospel. The, the intimidation they encountered, the threat on their lives they encountered did not shut them up. They continued to preach the gospel. In fact, I would argue that the intimidation and the threat on their lives only fueled their courage. That's what happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Or you're just crazy. But here it's because they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They end up becoming more bold, more courageous. They end up standing more firm because they see, hear me say this, they see that their preaching is doing something. Let me tell you, if you're sharing a gospel and the world likes it but does not respond with repentance and faith, you're not sharing the gospel. If you're not living a life in which is faithful to the word and is counterculture to the world. If you're not living that kind of life where where your life may be threatened or you're facing intimidation from people, you might not be living a gospel centered life. Jesus tells us, you know, don't be surprised when they hate you. They hated me first. Church, the world's going to hate you. Can you go ahead and get that into your mind? I'm a people pleaser. I am. I do not like it when people don't like me or when people are upset with me. Don't do this. But when I get a text message, hey, pastor, I need to talk to you. Can we talk tomorrow? I'm like, no, call me. Let's talk now. What's up? That's me. I deal with that. I struggle with that. Ed Welch has a great book, When People Are Big and God Is Small. It's a great book dealing with people pleasing. Fear of man. I get that. But understand there's a difference between loving Christ and loving the world. When we have a hate for the world, for what the world represents, for what it stands for, for what it approves, we need to have the courage to remain faithful. Church, as your pastor, I, we need to be faithful and we need to be courageous. There's a time coming where that courage is going to have to be more expressive than just posting verses on Facebook. There's a time coming when our courage is going to have to be more expressed than just wearing a really cool shirt. There's a time coming, church, when courage is going to be expressed in how we live our lives based on the gospel, by how we speak with boldness and clarity, by how we remain persistent and how we are reliant on God, and how we continue with carefulness and faithfulness. Church, we're called to be courageous. Charles Simeon, when he died, it said that the streets shut down. Charles Simeon, I want to be like Charles Simeon. Not, not, not like, hey, when I die, I want everything to shut down. Y'all come to my funeral. That's not what I mean. But I want to be faithful like Charles Simeon. Charles Simeon stayed at his church, preached faithfully. And when he died, he had made such an impact through the preaching of the gospel. Businesses closed on the day of his funeral. 
so that people can go. That church changed. They, they stopped locking their pews. Church grew. The gospel was spread. Why? Because Charles Simeon was courageous. Now listen, you might be sitting here thinking, I'm not a pastor. Some of you don't need to be pastors. I don't mean that rudely. I don't. Some of you know what, I, what I'm talking about. Some of you don't need to be pastors, especially you women. Um, that's just biblical. But you're believers. You're Christians. You are called to share the word. You are called to make disciples who make disciples. You are called to be a witness at your job, at, in your family. You are called to be courageous through that. So you might not be a pastor, but you're still called to share the gospel. And you might think, well, that's not my calling. Read your Bible. It's the first place you need to start. So I pray, I pray that you're courageous because hear me. We are to be bold because Christ was bold for us. Christ who endured opposition, endured contention. Christ who was spat upon, cursed. Christ who took on the sin of the world so that we might be saved. Christ who endured the wrath of God because of that message, because of what he did for us, we are called to be bold and courageous with that gospel. I pray that we are. I pray that you know, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, will you come talk to me? Will you, please? Let's get that right. Let me... Let me share the gospel with you. Let me share more of what the gospel has than what we've sung about and preached about today. Let's talk. Let's pray. Father God, you are so good. Lord, I pray that we are bold and courageous. I pray that, I pray God that we have the courage to speak with boldness and clarity, that we have the courage to remain persistent and reliant and that we have the courage to continue with carefulness and faithfulness in a world that is divisive over the gospel, in a world that opposes the gospel. Help us, God. Help us to be like Paul and Barnabas as we stand firm on our convictions to teach and preach and share the word. God, help us. As we look to our Lord and Savior, who endured the worst. Help us, God. I pray for those in this room that have never put their faith and trust in you, Lord. I pray, God, that you're grabbing their hearts, showing them the truth of your gospel. That you are good and gracious. And that you're worth it. So, God, I pray that you would help us this morning. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.